unhappiness Yeah Something that can make you do wrong Make you do right When a man who is honestly mistaken hears the truth, he will either quit being mistaken or cease to be honest. Stay tuned. Truth Time, bringing you the 411 for your eternal life. Hello, how you doing, Mr. Thirsty? Um, my name is Keith Stewart. Um, I don't know if you remember me or not, but uh, you had um, uh, sent me a few uh, replies to a few questions I had. Uh, just to refresh your memory, I, I'm the one that uh, mentioned I had a brother who believed that uh, you could lose your salvation and uh, spoke with him yesterday and, and told him about uh, going to Ephesians 1.13 and, and explaining the right of God and the word of truth and what that really means, the gospel of your salvation. And, you know, he, his comeback is um, he'll go to the verse where Paul says, Be not deceived, for the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he'll say, you know, go to another verse where it says, if you don't continue in his good goodness, you can be cut off. And so, uh, you know, I just wanted your response to that, um, because that's, that's actually Paul saying that. But, um, you know, I de- definitely believe myself that um, he's not talking to us. And you got to separate, you know, when he's talking to Israel and us. Uh, you know, so, I, you know, I understand that. But I, I didn't actually have a response back for, for those replies. And, and he'll also say that, you know, he, he believes that you can lose your salvation, but at the same time, he says that, uh, you know, he hands out tracts and he, and, he, and he tells people in his evangelism that, you know, you can't go to heaven by good works. And uh, he'll say it's the spirit in him that makes him do do good, you know what I mean? And so, um, so, so if you could call me back, 301 Okay, a question there from Keith, who gets the program in Oney, Maryland, just north of Washington, D.C. Welcome to Truth Time Radio. I'm Trey Searcy. Keith, the verse your brother is attempting to yoke you down with is, uh, well, I think it's found in 1 Corinthians. I think it's, uh, I think it's in chapter 6. Uh, here we are. Chapter 6, verse 9. But before verse 9, we of course have verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, and so on. Context is always important and should be honored. So, uh, let's do just that. Let's, let's, let's be good stewards of God's word and honor the context by which this was written. Let's be sure to stay within God's framework and not our own. Because his framework is perfect, ours, <laughs> not so much. Verse 1. Dare any of you, having matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? So in verse 1, we see Paul is questioning why the church at Corinth would go to the law to seek judgment. Why would they do that instead of just handling these disputes among themselves, among the body? And he goes on to say, Hey, do you not know that we're going to judge the world? Yeah, 
the in-Christ believers were even going to judge the angels. And if so, why would we not judge each other concerning things that pertain to this life? And in verse 5 and 6, he asked them, he says, uh, Is there not even one wise man among you able to judge such matters? You guys are going to the law. You're going to unbelievers to judge a matter between believers. Now, we've worked our way down to the verse that's in question, verse 9. And this is how Bible study should be done, and not by totally disregarding the context and just popping straight into verse 9 and rip out a verse from its context to support your agenda. Many have prejudiced agendas. They already have their mind made up. They've already prejudged what they're reading. Okay, now the foundation is set, so let's examine verse 9 by the verse leading up to and the verses that follow. Verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Okay, let's stop right there just for a moment. Are these Corinthians Paul is writing to, are they unrighteous? Are we today who are saved and Ephesians 1.13, sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, are we unrighteous? By no means. These Corinthians, just like us today, have believed Paul's gospel and have put their complete trust in the finished cross work of Christ. They now wear the title of saint, as Paul correctly called them in the opening verse of this chapter. You can't be a saint and be unrighteous both at the same time, not a chance. Oh, you may in a moment of weakness do an unrighteous thing, but you're still a saint. A saint is no longer known as a sinner. A saint may sin, but a saint's still a saint nonetheless. Now read on. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Are you seeing this? Paul just described the unbelievers of verse 6. The ones he was asking these Corinthian saints, why do you go to them to judge you? Why do you go to fornicators and thieves to judge you? You're saints. You're going to judge angels and these unbelievers are not even going to be there. They won't inherit the kingdom of God. So it's evident that in verses 9 and 10, Paul is not describing us which are in the body. He's describing the unbelievers of verse 6. Now, question for you. Could a saved-by-grace saint steal something? Could a saved-by-grace saint steal something? Why, sure they could, and sometimes do. But that doesn't change who they are in Christ. They're still a saint. They're just a saint who stole something. Their identity before God did not change. He no longer sees you as you appear to others in the flesh anyway, and thankfully so. He now sees a saint as how they look in his son, in Christ. That's how God sees a saint. And the next verse supports that. But you got to keep reading, and some are not interested in that. That's just boring old Bible study. Crank up the music and let's just keep believing what our denomination has told us to believe. Verse 11, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified. 
Here Paul is telling them that some of you used to be known as thieves, some of you used to be known as covetors, but not anymore. You were washed, and God no longer sees you as you were known. You've been sanctified and justified. Okay, Paul, I think I'm getting this. Before salvation, I was known as a thief, but now my identity has changed. Is that correct? Is that what you're saying, Paul? Absolutely. Paul, this is good news, and I'm going to let Christ continue to work in me, and it's my sincere desire to stop stealing. I can't stand how I feel after I do it. But answer this. What if I fail, Paul? God forbid, but what if I fail in my flesh and I mess up and steal something again? Will I lose my salvation? Paul gives a clear answer to this in verse 12. Listen. All things are lawful. All things are lawful. Are you hearing this? Truth time listeners, are you hearing that all things are lawful? Not some, all. Your inner man has been washed, sanctified and justified. You're in Christ, and that's how God sees you. God no longer sees you in your flesh. So yes, it's lawful to do anything, but why would you want to? It's lawful to do it, but it's not expedient. It's not very becoming. Paul goes on to say, but all things are not expedient. In other words, not all things are suitable. I'm a saint of the Most High God. I'm now an ambassador for Christ. It's not suitable for me to steal something. I may drink, but it's not suitable to get drunk. That's not a good thing. How unbecoming of you. A saint of the Most High God under the influence of alcohol? How's that working for you? But there's no such law against it. You're not under the law, but under grace, Romans 6.14. You've been delivered from the law, Romans 7.6. And that's why, keep reading, Paul says here, All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And as we've talked about before here on Truth Time, don't forget Paul's words in Romans chapter 7. Here is where he says, uh, Well, the good things that I wished I would do, I don't. And the bad things I wish I wouldn't do, I do. Romans 7.15 You know, it amazes me, but it's true. If Paul showed up to some of our churches today, they'd try to get him to the altar and pray the demons out of him. In verse 18 of Romans 7, he explains that in his flesh dwelleth no good thing. Are you listening, Mr. and Mrs. Religified Do-Gooder who claims that salvation has something to do with what you do? In his flesh, now this is the Apostle Paul, and he says, in his flesh dwelleth no good thing. And there you are telling others that if they want to be saved, they better start doing and they better stop doing. Or you tell someone that you believe in salvation by grace through faith apart from any self-effort, but then you teach that you can lose your salvation. Well then, please tell us how to get it back. How do you get salvation back after you've lost it? Fact is, you do believe salvation has something to do with human effort, and if you can lose it, then then it would take your effort to get it back. 
That would be salvation of yourself when Paul plainly and clearly said salvation is not of yourselves. Ephesians 2.9 Apparently, somehow, Christ must have forgot to reveal to Paul that when someone loses their salvation, there is a special formula to follow so that they can get it back. According to you, Christ forgot that vital piece of information when given Paul the revelation of the mystery. Oops. Now, let's read on. Back to Romans chapter 7. What does Paul say next? Well, it don't agree with your doctrine, I can assure you of that. Next, he says, The will to do the right thing is present with him, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Even when the Apostle Paul wanted to do good, evil was right there present with him, verse 21. But you, oh, ain't you something, while sitting atop your ivory tower, continue to outright lie to others by getting them to focus on their flesh and on what they do for salvation. Sadly, for most, the bathroom mirror has replaced the cross. Okay. Now that we have some clarity, we press forward. We're coming up on a break, but when we return, we'll deal with the second part of the listener's question. And then he'll say, you know, go to another verse where it says, if you don't continue in his good, goodness, you can be cut off. We all make mistakes. You make them, I make them. That's why they put erasers on pencils. It's never too late to right the wrongs. Listening to Truth Time and studying our material will help you sort through the clutter. Learn to rightly divide the word of truth and make quantum leaps that will catapult you to the head of the class. TruthTimeRadio.com Truth Time. We give the information so you can make intelligent decisions. Bringing you the 411 for your eternal life. Here's Trey Searcy. You can interact with us here at Truth Time Radio via social media. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, download our apps, watch our videos, subscribe to the RSS feeds, sign up for the newsletter, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And you can get our feed via WordPress and you'll automatically get a notification of newly released radio programs. And you can download them for playback at any time. We have apps for your iPhone, your Android, and uh, an app for your Apple device is coming soon. And don't forget to subscribe to the e-newsletter that is published periodically throughout the year. And you can now record a voice message with your questions and comments from our website. It's called SpeakPipe. It's free, simple to use, and you'll find it on the Truth Time homepage. Today we are dealing with perhaps one of the most asked questions from the Bible. 
Can you lose your salvation? There are those who explain it, and there are those who just explain it away. With the help of the word of truth rightly divided, we're attempting to explain it today. We're attempting to help one of the uh, Truth Time listeners in Maryland who has written me several times and has called in with some really good questions. We're helping him to deal and to defend his faith about loss of salvation. We, with an open Bible, answered the first part of this question before the break. Now, let's look and examine the second part of the question. Romans chapter 11. There, in verse 22, Paul writes, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. As always, we must work from a proper premise. Severity deals with harshness. You can hear the word severe in the word severity. Unsaved people are wrong for looking at this and other troublesome verses, claiming that you can lose your salvation, never having put in their trust in the finished cross work of Christ. And then there are some saved people who either ignore this verse or attempt to explain it away. Well, we here at Truth Time Radio are not either or, but rather neither nor. We neither view this verse as us losing anything, nor do we avoid it. And we certainly do not explain it away. If you're saved, you know that your day-to-day walk, your day-to-day performance is lacking in many areas and has plenty room for improvement. But your eternal, not day-to-day, but eternal salvation is locked up, secure, and it's complete in Christ. Colossians 2.10 But this grafted-in branch here is not complete. This branch is grafted in based on a condition and can be broken off based on that same condition. Paul doesn't mince words here. He says, if thou continue in his goodness. Now, just who would be the partakers of the, quote, root and fatness of the olive tree, verse 17? Of course. The twelve and the earthly kingdom saints of Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, and so on. The body of Christ's church is not even being spoken of here. It's those who trusted in the gospel of the kingdom, Peter's little flock. They're the ones in focus here. And something few pay attention to is the fact that we're here in Romans chapter 11, and Paul has been talking about Israel now for the past two chapters, since chapter 9. And it's clear from the context that nothing has changed. Israel is still the focus here in chapter 11. Now follow closely. Here is some eye-opening information. In fact, you should probably write this down. Romans 9, 10, and 11, these three chapters are where you'll find your Apostle Paul speaking on Israel's condition. This is important information that will greatly help your understanding of what's going on here. All three of these chapters, Romans 9, 10, and 11, are speaking about Israel. And here's something else noteworthy. Those who were grafted in equal believing Israel. And the broken off branches equal unbelieving Israel. The Old Testament saints equal the good olive tree. And those who are grafted in is believing Israel. 
Those who are broken off, unbelieving Israel. Think about it. The twelve went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and whomever believed that gospel would be grafted into the good olive tree of verse 24. The broken off branches would have been the unbelievers. Unbelieving Israel were the, quote, natural branches of Romans 11.21. Question, did God spare them? Answer, no, he did not. Verse 21 says, For if God spared not, spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Old Testament Israel is the holy first fruit, the root of verse 16. They were the good olive tree. The twelve in their flock equal the branches of that same verse. The Romans 11 grafted in is simply Paul teaching against replacement theology. Replacement theology is nothing new. Paul was dealing with it in his day as well. In the book of Romans, we see here that Paul had to deal with those who were claiming Israel's doctrines and their promises as if they were their own. And we deal with some of those same folk today. Look at Romans chapter 2. In verse 16, Paul said that God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to his gospel. And in the very next verse, he says, Thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law. You see, Paul is addressing a man here in Rome that is teaching the law. Paul refers to him as an inexcusable man in verse 1. This guy is attempting to put these Romans under the law. Paul calls him a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, verses 19 and 20. One thing that you've got to remember is that all this tree business has nothing to do with you. Vines, branches, roots, olive trees, and so forth in your Bible can represent Israel, but never you. Keep that in mind. Whether in the Old Testament section of your Bible or the New Testament section, doesn't matter. Paul never, not once, uses any of that terminology to describe the church, the body of Christ. My name is Paul Adams. I'm calling from the state of Indiana. I just became familiar with Truth Time Radio about three weeks ago, and what a blessing it has been to me. However, here in the state of Indiana, I'm sort of like a gardenia in the desert myself. Your radio broadcast has been such a blessing, and I've been telling all the pastor friends around, most are Baptists, and some of them are beginning to see how to rightly divide the word of truth better than ever before. I would love to be able to meet Trey, shake your hand, and maybe help us sponsor you in some way. Your radio broadcast and your God-given ability to make the gospel extremely plain is a marvelous blessing to the ear of the hearer. Thank you very much. Have a great day, and God bless. Once I rose above the noise and confusion Just to get a glimpse beyond this illusion I was soaring ever higher
You want to please God? Rest in the finished work of His Son. Take a load off. Lean on Him. Trusting in self doesn't please God at all. You've yet to trust in what He did on your behalf at Calvary all by Himself and without your help. You're still trying to hold yourself up instead of putting your full weight on Him. That self-righteous kickstand won't work. It's broken. I don't care how good you think you've become. I don't care how many attaboys and slaps on the rear end you think you deserve. There is always going to be someone who will come along and one-up you. I stopped doing this, and I stopped doing that. Well, guess what? Someone else comes along behind you and says, I stopped doing this and that and something else. (laughs) And on and on it goes. Your religion has convinced you to go out and buy a spotlight and shine it on yourself. The focus has become all about you and how well you perform. Pretty soon, Christ is no longer even in the picture. Give it a break and walk away from the mirror. You just might like what you see. Or better said, who you see. Now, it's only the unsaved religious folk that'll go away after hearing this program today and make the false claim that Truth Time Radio is over there telling their listeners to just go out and sin all you want to. They promote sin. And you know what? That's sad. It's sad that you are so focused on your human effort, on human performance, that, well, that's all you're hearing today. Truth be known, If you really love Jesus the way you proudly tell everyone you do, you'd stop with the self stuff. Self totally disappears from the equation when you truly fall in love with Christ. Today, it's popular to to grab your cell phone and take what's called a selfie. And nothing wrong with that, but selfies don't belong in the salvation picture. Very sad that you refuse to let the scales of religion, bondage, and legalism to fall from your eyes so that you can finally see the truth for what it is. It's sad that you can't see that being saved has nothing to do with what you do. It has nothing to do with what you don't do. Why not? Because you don't have anything to do with saving yourself. Ephesians 2.9, remember? Salvation is not of yourself, giving you no room to boast. And out of one side of your mouth, you'll say that. You'll agree with that. But then you turn around and include yourself. Are you really listening to the words that are coming out of your mouth? Salvation has nothing to do with what you do, but everything to do with what you believe and who you believe in. Everything to do with what he did. Not one thing in your flesh. There is not one thing you can stop doing. There's not one thing you can start doing that will please God enough that he'll say, good boy, good girl, okay, I'll save you now. That's not how it works. Salvation is complete at the moment you finally realize that the only way to assure your eternal place in the heavenlies is your total reliance on Christ, your Lord and Savior. For those who believe one can suffer loss of salvation, how, pray tell, does that happen? How can a saved and sealed member of the body of Christ's church lose it? Please explain. Does God unseal you? 
I submit to you that if God decides to unseal you, then God's a liar. God said that after we believe the gospel and trust in Christ, Ephesians 1.13, we're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Unto the day of redemption, Ephesians 4.30. Hmm, so if we believe God, we know He will never unseal us. God said, by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, 1 Corinthians 12.13. And there's no verse that says He unbaptizes anyone. I'm Trey Searcy, and now you know the truth. Ooh.